Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. All right. Good morning, Word of Life. How's everyone this morning? Okay, like three claps, whatever that means, and then the rest. Hopefully you're breathing, uh, and it is great to be here as well. So I'll present myself real quick for those of you that might not know me. My name is John David Ramik Rodriguez. Uh, in Colombia, we use both of our last names, and so it, it's, it's how we should present ourselves, I guess. Uh, I am the online campus pastor. Uh, so you might not see me, but you've probably seen something that we've done on the campus. And uh, with that being said, it is great to be here at Highland Colony. To me, it's always an honor and it's always a privilege. And it truly is a blessing uh, to be able to preach the word wherever that may be. So I am thankful with Pastor Joel, also thankful with Pastor Ryan, Pastor Hope and Pastor Chase uh, for the opportunity that I get to speak here at this platform. So anyway, that, that's awesome to me. And the reason why I say it's awesome is because if you knew me <laughs> and, and if you knew what my, what goes on in my mind sometimes and what I've been brought up in and stuff, to me it's very weird that sometimes I get this opportunity and it's just a, a show of God's grace and, and he gets all the glory for everything that is said, done, and that happens in this place. And so with that being said, I, I, I'd just like to take the time and pray to start this out. So Father God, I just thank you for this day. And I thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you've given us to come together as a family, to come together, to hear your word, Father. Father, your word of God says that as Jesus sent his word, it healed them. Your word of God brings faith. And I ask, Father, that as your word is spoken this morning, that faith rises in this place, Father, that you be glorified in this place, that the name of Jesus be exalted in this place, Father, that the Holy Spirit opens up the eyes of our understanding, that we may be able to see and know and acknowledge everything that you have prepared for us and everything that you want us to hear and to listen to, Father, and that the spirit of truth leads us into all the truth, for we know that as we know the truth, the truth will set us free. So we declare freedom in this place this morning. We declare we are free from every sickness, from everything that entangles us. We are free this morning, and we thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, uh, Pastor Joel has been uh, speaking amazing messages in the past three weeks. If you haven't listened to them, you can go on our YouTube page. Shout out to our online campus. But uh, last week, he started talking about uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible found in Joshua chapter 3, and it's where the people of Israel are about to cross over into the promised land. It's a land that they've been wanting to see for the longest time. There's been so many promises. So many people have talked about this land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds sticky, but sounds delicious, right? Like, like there's something about that land. The grapes are the size of cantaloupes. Like, it's amazing. It's so amazing that people also forget that 
the report also said that there was going to be giants and everything, but people are like, we don't care. We want the milk and the honey. And we want the grapes. We want the stuff. We're about to cross. And so God tells him or speaks to Joshua, the leader. And he's like, all right, all you got to do is you got to cross this river and walk into your promised land. I mean, there's, there's stuff that you're going to have to do. People are going to have to fight, but that's all you have to do is walk across this river. And, and, and this is where we find ourselves today. Pastor Joel last week talked about three points that he sees in this story. The first point was about consecration. And there's a lot to talk about consecration, and I don't want to repeat myself today. Uh, The message was incredible, but consecration is dying to self. It's all about him. It's about decreasing so that he may increase. It's being not only spirit-filled, but spirit-led, where you are being led by him, where he is Lord, not only Savior, but Lord over over your life. That means he gets veto power on your life. That means you ask him and you follow him. You obey him and it's for all his glory. But at the same time, it is really good when you do right. Like God will never lead you into a place where you won't end up being more blessed, where you won't find peace, where you won't find joy everywhere. God leads. We see it in Psalms 23, where he leads me beside still waters. He, he will restore your soul. I like something that he says is he makes you lie down. If you are going to be following God, he is going to make you rest. Now that sounds kind of like, it's like, you're going to make me do what? Yes. He's all about you resting and having peace. So watch out because if you follow God, you might just be experiencing the best days of your life. So consecrate yourself. And then the number two, he said, follow the ark. But be, be spirit led. Then there, there was this rule that God gave them is like when you are following the ark, you will we will have to have a distance of 2000 cubits. So the ark will be in front of you and, and 2000 cubits. I forget the exact distance in, in miles or whatever that is. But I think the premise behind this and there's a lot of truth inside the word of God. But one of the truths that we find is to never go ahead of, uh, of God. Never get ahead of yourself and never go ahead of what God has promised. Always go at the rhythm of his presence. Always go to the rhythm of what he has called you to do. Always following him. That sometimes we know where the promised land is. We know where his presence is. We know what he's promised and we're like, all right, we'll just point and then we'll go. And then we sometimes leave his presence and we forget That the premise of everything that God is doing here is not only to give you stuff, but it's to restore a right relationship with you. Over anything else that God wants to do with you is that he wants you to know him. He wants to be known in you. He wants to have relationship with you, which is why when Jesus died, the first thing that happened, it wasn't that blessing fell from heaven. It wasn't that healing took place. The first thing that happened was that the veil that separated humanity with the presence of God was torn. It shows the pattern and the principle of what was important to God, that when he died, then he could restore relationship with us. And even before he wants to bring you into a promised land, what he wants to do is bring his presence into your life, that he is real to you today. That no matter what is happening, you know that he lives inside of you. That God is real. And there, it's been on my heart lately 
And it's a word that's recurring in my life. So this is not the first time I hear it, but I'm hearing it again as I read the word, as I pray this month, that the supernatural has to be something natural in our life. That we can't be surprised when supernatural things happen in our life if we know who God is. If you know who lives inside of you, that we say it all the time, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then something miraculous happens and we're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea how that happened. It's like, well, if you know who God is, it's what Daniel eleven thirty two 32 says, those that know their God will do exploits. That when you know who you are believing in, when you know who you are following, when you can understand his presence and what that means in your life, it shouldn't shock you. Now, it, it will create praise in your life for sure. It will create gratitude in our life, obviously. But it can't be a surprise where we're like, Why is this happening? I have no idea. And we're just so surprised by these facts. We have to know him. No, it's what what Paul would say in Philippians chapter 3 where he's like, I've achieved a whole bunch of stuff, but one thing I do, I said, consider everything trash because what I want to know is I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what I want to know. I don't want to achieve success in life and then reach heaven and him be like, so who are you again? One time my dad told me something that really shocked me. And it still scares me a little bit today. He told me once, and my dad's a pastor, been a pastor for like 35 years, missionary to Columbia, all these things. And there's a whole lot I could talk about what he does and everything. I might say a few things today. I don't know. But one of the things he told me once coming out of prayer, he's like, John David, hopefully when you get to heaven, it's not the first time you were there. And I'm like, wait, you've been? Like, I was like, wait, when did you go and why didn't you take me? Like, what are you talking about? And then he starts talking to me about his presence. Starts talking to me about how Jesus was praying and he would pray that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That what happens in heaven can happen here because the God of heaven is here today. Because the God who lives and reigns in heaven is also living and reigning inside of your life. It is promised to us that he will never leave us nor will he forsake us. So the God who sits on the throne also inhabits the praises of his people also inhabits your heart what happens in heaven can happen on earth thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven there's joy in heaven should be joy in your life there's peace in heaven there can be peace in your life the prince of peace lives inside of you but anyway that's point number two that's not even the message so point number three is take a big step of faith the one thing that God asked to the people of Israel was cross the river. Take that step of faith. I will do what I have to do, but you're going to have to do what you have to do. You're going to have to get your feet wet and then I'll dry out the river. But there's got to be some skin in the game. And so I want to talk today about having faith and living a life of faith and understanding why it's important to live a life of faith. See, the The spirit realm is where we thrive. It's where God thrives. And the first thing that Satan will always attack is what you believe. 
See, when, when, when he came to Adam and Eve, the first thing he did started questioning. Hey, did God really say that? Did God, will, will God really do that? Like started questioning who they believed in. And it's the same thing today where, where the devil, what he wants to do is he wants to take you out of your spiritual belief and start seeing the things on a natural level where he's like, so God said this, but look at what you're feeling. So God promised this, but look at how, how it's going. So, so God has promised this in his life, but look at what's happening, what you can see. And the word of God says in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the importance of having faith. He's talking about the importance of the spiritual realm. He's talking about the importance of what is unseen, of what you believe, that what you believe will affect what you see. It's why the word of God says that we don't walk by faith, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And we see it from the start of the creation. That when God spoke, there was nothing in existence, but the Holy Spirit was moving. And he said, let there be light. And then what he said, what was in his heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so out of the abundance of who he knew he was and what he could do, God spoke and then it happened. And what I love about God and what I love about what he promised is he never explains the process. He just gives out the promise and it is up to us to believe that he has the power to fulfill the promise without understanding how the process is going to happen in other words God never said let there be electrons neutrons protons let there be friction let there be things that starts happening let there be movement in order for there to be light all he said was let there be light and everything that was necessary for light to happen started to be created the process was formed because he got faith in what he said by faith, we know that what it is, what is visible was created, but what we cannot see. And it's the same today. See, we are called to live by faith. The word of God says that the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, 17, it says, for in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's talking about us. See, when Jesus died and rose again, one of the things that happened spiritually was that righteousness was created. In other words, now you all have right standing with God. You have been justified because of what Jesus did. So it doesn't matter what you have done or have been doing. What matters was that the blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sins so that when you access his throne, God doesn't see what you do. God has seen what Jesus did. And because of that, you have access to the throne. You are now made righteous. And now the word of God says, and those that are righteous, those that have been justified, now have to live by faith. Why? Because it is in faith where we win. The, the, the word of God says that, that this is what has brought victory in our lives. It is the faith that we have. First John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I remember one time I was with my middle brother, Danny, and we were, we were young, so I'm four years older than Danny, so I think we were like, 
11 or 12. I was 11, 12, so Danny was like six, seven or eight. And we went to visit my cousin who lived in Detroit, Michigan. And so my cousin, we've always like kind of looked up to him because he's, he's, he's that cousin that you have that is always successful, right? So now if you don't have that cousin, you're probably that cousin, right? And, and everyone really likes you but are like kind of mad because you are you and that's cool. So we go visit my cousin and he's into baseball and he actually like got a scholarship for baseball, all these things later on. And he could throw that ball super hard. And I remember when we were kids, we'd go and we'd throw the baseball and it'd be fun. But then like this year came where it was summertime and we went over to his house and we were visiting him and and the ball started to hurt a little, right? Like it wasn't, and I'm Colum- I mean, like we play soccer back in Colombia, so it's not like I, I had a great hand-eye coordination. So it, when he would throw it like 20 miles per hour, it'd be like, poof. But now he's throwing like 80 miles per hour, 90 miles per hour. So it's starting to hurt. And I'm a little scared because he's throwing like at my face. So I'm like, oh, and like, it, it just looks weird. So I start to get mad. And so I'm like, okay, tomorrow we're playing soccer because I'm not going to take this. And so obviously he invites a friend. I still remember it to this day. It was a major victory for me at least. And he, he brings over his friend because he's, he's this athlete. So he can play whatever he wants. He brings his friend who's also an athlete. And we start to play soccer. And so I tell Danny because I have no friends there. I just have a little brother who's like six or seven, seven or eight. And so I'm like, Danny, you want to play? And Danny's like super small. But he's like, okay, I play. And so, so we start to play. And one thing we noticed, we've obviously been playing soccer all our lives. We, we, we're kind of better. And, and so I, I started noticing that, you know, this is where we should be playing more, in the soccer field. I am no good in the baseball field. I am no good. Don't, do not ask me to play football or flag football because I, I don't know how to play that. I love to watch the game, but I know if I get hit, I will cry. Like, that's just... That's just me. I'm, I was made for soccer and I'm not made for those things. But I see the same thing happening in our Christian life. That you have to know where you win and in what arena you win. Sometimes we want to fight the devil in the arena of what we feel, of what we see, of what we can manage. When God is calling you to fight in the arena of faith. When God is calling you to fight in the arena where the devil cannot win, where you cannot lose because you were built for it. You were made to live a life of faith. Now, Mark eleven twenty two, 22, Jesus says, have faith in God. One of the translations says, have uh, or acknowledge or grab hold to the faithfulness of God. One thing about faith, we're not only called to live by faith, it's not only a place where we can win by faith, it's not our way of life, but it is also impossible to live a life that pleases God without faith. Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the word of God says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because those that come to him must believe that he is. Now, Jesus asked this question when he was in Caesarea of Philippi with his disciples. And he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Such an important question because we we sometimes will come to church and we know who our pastor is. We know who our church is. We know what 
what happens here. But do you know God? Do you know who he is? Because it is important to know who you are believing in. Because if not, it's just like believing in the lottery. I mean, you know it exists and hopefully it falls on your lap, but you never know. Because it's just the lottery. And, and sometimes Christian life in our prayer life looks like the lottery. We're just kind of like just throwing it out there. God, do what only you want to do. And if you got an extra Ferrari, here I am, Lord, send me. Right? Like, th- th- this is me, but I have no idea. When the Word of God says, if you follow after God, you have to know who you're following after. And it's not hard. And when you know who God is, faith rises. And when faith rises, then the impossible becomes possible. And you can achieve and attain everything that God has purposed for your life. And I do want to set that parentheses and set that straight. Faith is not repeating something until God gets so tired of you that he's just going to give it to you. See, faith is acquiring and achieving and laying hold on the faithfulness of God and everything that God has promised for you that is in his word. So it's not just this random act of like saying something so long that it happens. It's not, you know, the power of confession, although confession is necessary and it is powerful. It is believing in him. I usually tell this story that correlates to this. I was with a friend. I was in college, and you've probably heard this story before. And he used to invite me out to eat, and I used to invite him out to eat. And we'd have this thing in college where when we had free time, I'd invite him out to eat. He'd invite me out to eat. It was this cool thing. Every now and then, though, he'd take this credit card out, and it was his dad's credit card. And he sometimes would say, hey, my dad's going to buy today. I'm like, all right, well, thank your dad. That's cool. So we'd, we'd go eat and stuff. And one day, like three years after been doing this for so long, he's like, hey, my dad's going to invite us uh, to eat today. And so let me take you out to a really nice place. So we go out to this really nice place. And you know it's nice because the plates are huge and the food is small, right? And, and, and they, take, they take a long time. And it, like, it tastes delicious, but you're also going to go broke. And so I'm happy that his dad is buying it. So obviously it takes a long, the fancier it gets, the longer it takes to be brought to your table. So like we're waiting there for like half an hour for the food to come. And I was taught well at my house. And the way they taught me is if someone's inviting you to eat, you don't order the most expensive thing. You order something that's on average. You got to be quick at math and kind of like average all the prices out and then order something that's below the average, right? Like my, my, my dad and mom were strict with that. It's like, you don't order the steak, you order the salad. And if anything, you order the salad with the soup. And so, so, that's, so that's what I did. I literally, I'm like, I'll just have the salad and the soup. You know, I'm like, I'm fasting right now, Daniel fast. Um, and so... Well, as we're waiting, uh, he, he's texting his dad. So I'm like, hey, you know, three years into this, your dad has bought a ton of lunches. What does your dad do? Like, who is this guy? So he's like texting him. He's like, oh, my dad, you know, he's, how do I explain? So he's like the owner of this like mega construction company. And he's actually, he actually owns, you know, those buildings, like 14 buildings. Of the, yeah, that, those are his. And in this other city, he owns all these buildings. He's actually texting me right now. He's super funny because he doesn't like the color of his helicopter. And so he's thinking of changing it. What, what, what do you think of it? So as he's telling me all these things, I supernaturally get hungry. <laughs> you... You have no idea how hungry I got. I got a little aggravated. I'm like, what? Like, this man could buy this whole place, and here I am ordering soup and salad. I, I grabbed the waiter again. It's like, bring me your biggest steak and bring me another one to go. And he's like laughing. I'm like, here I am 
asking for little things because I did not know who was buying. And the word of God says that, you know, he will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That when you know who he is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to him must believe that he is. Who is God to you today? The book of John, one of my favorite books, not because of the name, although I think that name is incredible, but... The book of John has a couple of things that are pretty cool. One of the things is John goes out of his way to just describe seven miracles that Jesus did. Seven miracles that describe his personality and who he is and what he wants to do. But then he also goes out of his way to write down seven phrases of Jesus saying who he is. Jesus describing himself. So when we're talking about God and we're talking about believing, when we're talking about having a step of faith, this is who we're believing in. And the more and the more you get to know who God is, faith has to rise. It's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing the word of God. It's not just this natural thing like it were a recipe. It's because you're getting to know who God is. And then you're not only getting to know what has been promised, but you also get to know who's going to fulfill the promise. And as you know who he is, your faith increases, your hunger increases, and then you start acting according to your faith. So Jesus says, the first thing he says in the book of John is, I am the bread of life. He says this right after having fed 5,000 people, multiplied bread and fishes. And basically what he's saying is, guys, you know, I can take care of these natural things, but when you have me, you have everything you need. One of those those realities that I had to understand is I am blessed not because of what God can give me. I am blessed because I have him. And if God is in the story, that's a blessed story. If God is in my life, I have a blessed life. I like to say the best is yet to come, but at the same time, the best is already here. The best is already living inside of you. You don't have to wait for your best days when the best that is to come already lives inside of you. You're blessed because you have him. Because the bread of life lives inside of you. The capacity to multiply what is not there, the capacity to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory lives inside of you. He is the bread of life. He also said he is the light of the world. They would celebrate, when he was saying this, it was in the Feast of Tabernacles where they were celebrating the fact that the people of Israel would follow the pillar of light or the pillar of fire. They're like, God led the people of Israel into the promised land. So he stands up and he's like, just like God led the people of Israel into the promised land, I am that light of the world. If you follow me, you will walk into everything God has promised. If you follow Jesus, you will walk into his grace, into his mercy, into his peace, into everything that he has for you. He not only said he was the light of the world, but God, Jesus also said that he was the gate of the sheepfold. I love this, this imagery because shepherds back then, they would bring all their sheep and they would put them in caves. There wasn't a gate on the cave. So the shepherd would have to sleep at the edge of the cave, at the entrance of the cave for protection. And Jesus is saying, just like 
you know, shepherds become the gate of the sheepfold. That is who I am. If you are with me, I will protect you. I will be your guard. I will be your standby. It's what David recognized when he said, even though there's armies that camp against me, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It's what David acknowledged in Psalms 23 when he said that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, not because the valley of the shadow of death is going to leave but because you are with me and because you are with me I do not have to fear in the midst of my enemies God will prepare a table before me surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life it doesn't matter what is happening around you what matters is who lives inside of you and if you acknowledge who lives inside of you that which you cannot see starts affecting everything that you can see and just like God created the heavens and the earth with this voice when you lift up your voice in faith that which you see has to change and has to align with what we read Read in the word of God that you are blessed coming in, that you are blessed coming out, that you are the head and not the tail, that you are the righteous and the righteous have never been forsaken, nor do his kids have to be mendigando, have to be begging for bread. You're blessed because you have him. Look at your neighbor and say, man, I didn't know I was that blessed. Excessively blessed. See, taking a step up, let's finish this real quick. Gate of the sheepfold, he is the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, make it real today. The Lord is my shepherd. This person, this person that we're talking about, he is your shepherd. And what does the Bible say? That because he is your shepherd, you shall not be in want. In other words, you do not lack for anything. You do not lack for ability. You do not lack for opportunity. You do not lack for money. You do not lack for options. You do not lack for favor. You do not lack for healing. You do not lack for peace. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. So he is the shepherd. He is the gate. He is the resurrection and the life. I I love the story because when he said he is the resurrection and the life, it was right after Lazarus died and he got there late. Has God ever gotten late to, to something where you're like, God, if you would have come a, a, a month ago, I could have paid my rent, right? God, if you could have come a year ago, you know, my, the, the, my relationship would have been better or I still would have had that job or still that opportunity. Like sometimes, God, like it's like you don't understand. I know a day for you is like a thousand years, but please don't take more than a minute because that's just going to go, go crazy on my life. And what's awesome about Jesus is he's like, no, no, no. When I'm here, the answer is here. That you didn't need the answer back then. Even if it died, I can resurrect it again. So just because you have Jesus, things that died months ago, things that died years ago, things that seem dead and seem that they can't return, Jesus is the resurrection and he is the life. And whatever you need now, he is. How many are thankful that we have a God that is the resurrection and the life? That is a good shepherd. He says he is the way, the truth, and the life. And then he finishes his seventh statement is, and I am the true vine. And those that abide in me. And if my word abides in you. And he said actually in that verse, in John chapter, in that chapter, chapter 11 of the book of John, he mentions abide like 12, 13 times. If you abide in me and I abide in you, if you abide in me, if I abide in you, if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you abide. Then it says, then you will give fruit. 
then you will be blessed because you have abided. Is that the great, I don't know how you conjugate that word, but because you are abiding in him. How about that? So Daniel 11, verse 32, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. When, when I was a, when I was younger, because I'm not old yet, that's faith, uh, right? I had the opportunity to translate for a bunch of people. And I, I always, in my dad's church, my dad would invite these like mega ministers of faith and stuff. And they'd always come and they'd always tell stories of how God opened up doors and how God blessed them and how God all these things. And I was always a little conflicted with it. So I had to translate into Spanish. So I'm hearing it first before anyone else is hearing it. And I'm loving it. And like, this is great. But at the same time, I was like, God, why them? Right? Like, why can't it be me? Why can't I tell that story? Right? Why can't, why can't, why can't that be my, my literal story? Like, this guy just got a jet. And here I am having to take the bus. And it's like, this is not fair. It's like, is it because his hair is gray? Is it because he prays in English and I'm praying in Spanish? So maybe I got to change my language. Like, wh what is it about these guys? Not always fight. Uh, until one moment, <clears throat> I was translating for this missionary who's got the coolest stories. And I wish I could just sit down and tell you his stories because they, they increased my faith for sure. He's telling stories about how people like, I can't tell, but it's just because it, it, it'll be a lot. And then we'd be here until 2 p.m. and I'd be telling stories. And so anyway, but he, he's talking about all these things. And then I, I, I just tell God, I, I pause for a moment. I just tell God, God, me too. Me too. I, I want that too. You're the same God. You're, you live inside of me just like you live inside of them. Like there is no difference. You died for me and the same amount of blood that paid for them paid for me. And I know that there was enough blood for me. And so if there's enough blood for me, there's enough blood for everyone. So I said, God, me too. I want to live this out. And I was reminded of this story where Joshua chapter three, where they had to get their feet wet. See, sometimes we want the river to dry and God's just waiting for us to get our feet wet. It's like, if you believe, then you'll act upon what you believe. Second Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, we having the same spirit of faith. You have the same spirit of faith that is found in the Bible, lives inside of you. Therefore, we believe and we speak. We speak out those things that we believe. So I started speaking out. I'm like, God, you're going to do the same thing in my life. My life will be a testimony of how good you are. What I didn't know is that that was a dangerous prayer because then God brought me to a river that I had to cross, had to get my feet wet. There was mud in that river, if you know what I'm saying, metaphorically. God asked us to leave Colombia where we had everything. And when I say everything, trust me, we had everything. I'm not saying like we were uber rich or something like that, but we had more than enough. We were super comfortable. And God started to put in my, my heart the word transition. He's like, you're going to transition out. I'm going to, I'm going to do a work in your life. Those that know their God will do exploits. It's like, you know who I am. Now you know what I can do. Now let's step out. So I'm like, cool. And I'm thinking, you know, we're going to get a jet, right? <laughs> like Something easy is like, hey, these guys get jets. We're going to get a jet or whatever that is. So we, we go and some, we we moved to the States because we're going to raise funds for missionaries. So we talked with missionaries and we're like, hey, we're going to get you that money. And we're going to go to the States. We're going to itinerate for you guys and everything is going to go in and God will supply our needs according to his riches and glory. Great. Well, we get to the States and we realize we didn't even have a credit score. 
So we're like, ooh, Lord, uh, maybe you forgot some details. I don't know. We don't have a credit score. We don't have a place to stay. We don't have a car. We don't have anything. But we're moving in faith, and we're, we're, we're wading in the water. We're like, God, you promised that if we cross this river, you're going to make it dry. So I'm going to step in. And every time you see in the word of God someone stepping in, the change doesn't happen automatically. But the change starts when you start taking the first step. I want to challenge you this morning to start taking that step towards what God has already called you to do. And you know. So some people try to get weird with it. You know what the first step is. God's never going to give you the second step until you take that first step. Start taking it today. So we go to this conference. We have no idea what we're doing. So we're like, God, we're following you. We're praying in the car. You know, we're getting super biblical about it and everything. We get to the conference. We receive. It's fun. Awesome. We have no money, really. Like literally for, for a couple of months, we live in, we have this uh, inflatable bed that's not even ours. We have two cups, two plates, two uh, forks, two knives. That's it. And that's what we're living with, having left everything. But we're like, God, we're crossing this river. We're, cl- we're crossing this river, and you are our good shepherd. We will not lack. So at the end of the, at the, end of the service, there is this barbecue, uh, what do you call that? A truck, food truck. There's a barbecue food truck. So we don't have a lot of money, so we're only going to buy one plate for both of us. And so we're like, all right, so I'm doing the line. And this guy behind me taps on my shoulder, and he's like, hey, can I buy your food today? Um, so I'm not stupid. I'm like, sure, thank you, you know, but God, right? Like, uh-uh, it's like it's happening. So, okay, cool. So he, he buys the barbecue, and then I ask him, I was like, hey, what are you going to do? It's like, oh, I, I just felt led to buy you the barbecue. I'm about to leave. So I was like, no, stay. You bought me barbecue. At least stay. and Let's eat together. She's like, okay, cool. So we're sitting at this table. We're talking. And he's talking and everything. And he asks us, he's like, hey, what are you guys doing here in the States? So we tell him, it's like, well, we're here raising funds for missionaries. This is what we're doing. You know, the, you know taking the step of faith. So he's like, and I'm just happy I'm eating barbecue and it's free barbecue so it's better right like that's the best flavor uh, <clears throat> so I'm eating it it's cool and he gets all like super deep in the moment and he's like you know and this is June when we're eating and so he's like back in January God told me we should start saving up money for someone that he was gonna open up the doors to give to so I'm eating like my ribs and I'm, I'm thinking in my mind like man what a lucky man you know like Whoever that is, Father, me too, right? Like, I didn't notice. And Carolina was like, John, he's talking about us. And I'm like, what, us? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never doubted. Obviously, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for barbecue and for provision. It was more than enough provision to cover the cost to bless 3,000 kids for one month that had nothing to eat in Venezuela. It, It was amazing. But this is where I, this is where I want to take us. For the next few days, all I did was look for barbecue food trucks, right? Because I'm like, there's something in the barbecue, and we sometimes miss out on the next step because we want to repeat a method and not receive the message. That is, God is good. Lay hold on God's faithfulness today, and take the next step. And the next step might not be like the step before. It might be totally different. Jesus healed people in like 20 different ways. He never healed the same person in the same way. So don't try to replicate some other people's method, right? Like three steps to get to your promise. Three steps. No, no, no. Follow God. Know Him. 
Know that he is good. Know that he is your shepherd. Know that because he is with you, you shall not lack. Know that as you go to him, you live a life of faith. In the arena of faith, you always win. That's why it's called the good fight of faith. Because you always win. And God has been faithful and there's been battles and continue to be battles up to this day. But one thing hasn't changed is that God has been good and will continue to be. So let me tell you this. The best is yet to come. I understand that. But the best already is here. Actually, the best died for you and rose again and paved the way for you to live a life that only God can produce. So let the supernatural, Father, become natural in our life. Father, we ask you today that there be clarity in your voice, that we may know what you are calling us to do. Just like Ephesians 1 says, Father, that we may know the calling, that we may recognize the gifts, that we may understand the power that lives inside of us in order to take the next step, Father. Father, today we commit to take that step of faith. We will walk into everything you've promised. We will walk in and take the land that you have promised. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So today's communion Sunday, and I don't want to take more time, but I think there's no perfect, no better way to finish a service like this than to take communion. And why? It's communion, what it is, it's restating a covenant that we have with God. And it's a covenant that has better promises than what they had in the time of the people of Israel. It's a covenant where Jesus paid it all. It's a covenant where Jesus gives us access. It's a covenant where we decide to commit to glorify God in our life. That in all we do, whether it's eating or drinking or whatever you are doing, we do it for the glory of God. So we thank Jesus today for his sacrifice because his blood opened up a new covenant with God with better promises. And oh my goodness, are they good. And then his flesh that was broken for us brings healing, restoration, because he paid for it 2,000 years ago so that you don't have to carry it today. So every sickness, every pain, whether that's physical, whether that's pain in your soul, Jesus took it so you don't have to stay with it. So give it back to him today. And as you take communion today, we commit to God again. God, we will take that next step. How many are committing this morning to taking the next step? That's you. Just say, amen. That's me. Say, say like I did. Me too. I actually said it in, in Spanish. I said, yo también. It's like, yo también. Me too, Father. Me too. I believe it. So we're going to sing now. He inhabits the praises of his people. So take advantage of that moment to sing, to commit, to acknowledge, and to move forward in the life of faith that God has called us to live. Hallelujah.